Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. All right, well, uh, part four of our series. And I am going to extend this one week. I've had several people come to me and say, Pastor David, let's, let's keep going. And we'll, we'll do that. Of course, we've got another plan. We're really excited. Andrew and I are putting together uh, a new series that will start one week after Easter. Of course, Easter will be all about a celebration of the passion of Christ. But that next Sunday, we're going to start a, what we're calling a family life series. And I'm going to get Andrea up here, and she's going to share with me. And uh, we're very excited about that. We've got a lot of things in our heart that we want to share with individuals, with families. Uh, we'll be covering many different things from Scripture and... Uh, just very excited about that, and just really very practical, but yet very scriptural. Want to do some download that way. So again, that's a Sunday after Easter. But so today we're going to go ahead and go part four, and uh, and I'm t- entitled it "Preparing for the Baptism." And that's the thing is I've been getting into it. I just can't seem to close this thing out, and that's what I'm running into is that there's a real hunger here, a real hunger for the move of the Spirit of God. Matter of fact, we had a gentleman that was just visiting, and it was just his first time here, and as soon as the service was over, he just ran right up to me, and he just said, man, the Spirit of God is here. And I wasn't, you know, so impressed about that particular statement as much as, you know, I love to hear that. I love to know that. That's, that's really what, what Paul was teaching when he was teaching about the Spirit of God being the thing that draws people when you read 1 Corinthians 12 to 14. But I guess what I was impressed with most was his hunger his hunger, how much I believe that, that we as Christians are so hungry for the move of God. We've seen a lot of the move of man, am I right? But how much of the move of God, where we just know we're caught up, that God is doing things inside us, that we, we feel the Spirit of God just lifting us above our circumstances, influencing our decisions, being loved into the right course. That's good stuff. That's the Spirit of God. And uh, I think we're, we're hungry for that. And then, again, so that's why we have this series. You know, we can't, you can't force that on a people. You can't, you can't create a liturgy or a, 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 you know, or, or a function in a church to, to force people to move in the Spirit of God. I think, that's, I think that's, that's all flesh, to be honest with you. I think when you try to create that, it, it just becomes what it is. But we, we get hungry, hungry and we invite God into our life and we do the best we can to prepare, and, uh, and I believe through faith, the Holy Spirit will begin to, to move through us in and, and, and the ways that I've been describing over the last several weeks. So I want to prepare us, because we're going to talk next week about what we call the baptism in the Holy Spirit, very biblical, very key to what we read in the book of Acts, begins with that, and it really the whole book of Acts is all about what the baptism in the Holy Spirit did in causing the church to grow. So uh, and to being impacting. So I want to talk about preparing for that. How do we prepare our heart to be baptized? And I will say this, that, you know, I believe that it is something that we can experience, not only the, for the first time like the, the church did, but it's an ongoing thing. I don't think that just, you know, you have one baptism like you do in water. We typically only say, well, you'll get baptized once in water, and that is, you know, and, then, and, if, it, and if it was sown in faith then you know what you've done is something you never have to do again. I'm, I'm, I'm saved, and I'm, I'm prepared for heaven, I made a public confession, I don't need to do that again. But I believe the baptism of the Holy Spirit is different than that. And that's all I'll say about that. 
uh, for setting up next week, but let's talk about preparing for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So how do we prepare? Four quick points here at the beginning. And that is, you know, number one is you must believe in Jesus Christ as personal Savior and, and that he is the only way to salvation. Okay, that, I mean, I don't, I'm not going to talk much about that, but I think that's absolutely critical. If you don't believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation and he's your, only, he's your personal Savior and Lord, well, then the Holy, you're not going to have, uh, you're not prepared for a baptism of the Holy Spirit. That, you, that, that's not going to happen. Okay, so prerequisite, you've got to be saved. You've got to have given your life to Christ. Number two, your motives must be pure. If you look in Acts chapter 8, which I'm, I don't want to cover too much for the sake of time, but you can read it on your own. The apostles go out, and they're praying for people to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. They have been sent out. They're in the beginnings of you know, the, the, the spreading of the gospel and people hearing Jesus, about Jesus for the first time, experiencing the Holy Spirit for the first time. And there's a guy on the side, his name is Simon. Now Simon, in, their, in all intents and purposes, would be what we would consider like a magician. He would, he would be like somebody who has been the, the great Simon, and everybody goes to his shows. And he's got these wonderful tricks, and, and, and who knows how much is supernatural, may not be much of it at all, but for the most part, he's, they call him a sorcerer, but that would be the name that we would typically use for a magician for our time. And he's watching as Peter and John are praying for people to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. They're getting saved, and he says, well, have you guys heard about the Holy Spirit? And they're going, no, we haven't. And then he sees, he's watching this take place. He sees the Spirit of God come upon them and them being impacted in very powerful ways. Joy, he's speaking in tongues. There's all kinds of things happening among them. And Simon is sitting there watching, and he's going, I want that power. And so he comes to, to Peter and John and says, hey, you know, so he pulls his wallet out, essentially. How much is it going to cost me to get what you guys got? And Peter recognizes that right off the bat and says, um, you have no part of us. Because I can perceive that, number one, you're not a follower of Christ. And two, you want to use this power for a sideshow. You, you think this can be purchased? You think this? So well, I, I only mention that because it is in the book. And there's a reason why it was put in there. And all I want to do is just point out the simple fact that, you know, our motives must be pure when it comes to operating in the Spirit of God, allowing those gifts to flow through us. If our desire is to control, manipulate, and create a sideshow, all in the name of Jesus, but really it's our name and our function and our ministry and our television show, then that's not something that's going to bring pleasure to God, nor will it be something that I believe God's going to anoint. Okay, So we've got to have a great motive. We have to have a motive that's pure, and that is simply, if we go backtrack to all that we've been talking about here, going all the way back to Acts chapter 1, so that we can be witnesses. The goal is always that the manifestation of the Spirit is for the common good and for the gospel to proceed and go forward. So we've been talking about this. So if you're here for the first time, I apologize. I'm having to dip back into much of what I've already shared in this series. But I will say this for your benefit, that, again, this is all about God empowering us to do what he's called us to do. If we manipulate that, if we get out of the, get out of the wrong motive, then it's going to mess everything up. Okay? So number three, in preparation, you have to eagerly desire. Now, I taught about that last week. Eagerly desire spiritual gifts. So it needs to be something that we really, really want. 
Okay, there's a difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. Kingdom of darkness, things are forced upon us. Whereas the kingdom of light, it's not. This is a voluntary sport. This is a voluntary issue. This is something that, that the Spirit of God will flow through you, but it has to be something of faith, something of willingness, something that comes through your volition. It has to be something that you eagerly desire. And Paul said that. He said, look, in all this discussion about the gifts of the Spirit and all the manifestation of, of, of what is taking place in the church, he said, he said, look, follow the way of love and eagerly desire these gifts. So there's nothing wrong with pursuing and having a desire and that's so in preparation, if, if, if that's not something you're comfortable in seeing happen, no biggie. Nobody's going to force this upon you. This is, and, and I think when churches get into that modality, that's a, that's a wrong deal. Okay. That's, that's wrong. Because then I think we violate some things. As a matter of fact, I don't think, to be honest with you, that the gifts are really all for what we do on the first day of the week anyway. It's what's supposed to happen out there where these gifts are supposed to be manifested for, again, to be witnesses. We just learn here. We get encouraged here. We celebrate here. We get edified, built up, and then sent out to do the work. So we got to eagerly desire these things in order for them to happen. And that's the truth about anything in life, isn't it? You know, expectation is invitation. If that's what you expect, it's what you invite. And if I expect to be used by God, then it's going to be inviting the Holy Spirit to flow through me. Fourthly, your focus should be fruitfulness personally and to be a witness of Jesus Christ. We're coming back around to that. That, that. In preparation, you just say, essentially the prayer is, Lord, I just want to be used by you. Have you ever prayed that? Perhaps you have. Lord, I just want to be used by you. I just want to make a difference. Now, you may say, well, I'm not sure I'm really comfortable with doing that out there. Well, like our video, you can stay in kindergarten, and, you know, and that's fine. The guys seem to be having a good time. But I think that does describe a lot of the church, to be honest with you. When we should really be moving on to the, the, the higher levels of maturity and the greater things that God wants to ex us experience and you know, ex in, in what that does to our life spiritually. Uh, so, but again, to be a witness for Jesus Christ, that's what this is all about. And I, I can't say that enough. Maybe I've already said it ad nauseum, but I, I can't say it enough. That that's what the gifts are for. If you forget that part of it, then it does seem like, you know, Pastor David, what are you trying to do? What are you trying to create? What are you trying to stir up? Nothing at all, except I'm just reading the Bible. And that's what we're after here, isn't it? All right, so now how do we proceed? How do we proceed? As I was praying, God led me to a verse that I really want to break down for us today. So what I believe is, is so critical to us moving in the gifts of the Spirit are three things that, that really grow in progression. Knowledge, faith, and confidence. Okay, knowledge, faith, and confidence. You know, it was interesting when I finished the series in outreach, um, I had one of my staff come to me and said, hey, you know, everybody's excited. They want to hear about how to do it. And I thought, wait a minute, isn't that what I've just been doing for the last month? But I, th that is something I want to, to make clear to you, that as a pastor, it is not my job to do it for you, nor to get so much into detail to tell you how it's actually going to happen in your life. I don't know that. You are individuals. You have a sphere of influence. You have a personality. 
you had, you, there's so much individual about you that the Spirit of God will manifest through you and in and, and, and your life and through the relationships you have. What all I do is set the table. All I do is just say, on your mark, get set, go. Okay? So I can't give you too many creative ideas. That's where you need to really go to the Lord and, um, and just say, Lord, use my life and watch it happen. It will unfold in front of you. The creativity, the spontaneity is going to be uniquely yours. So I, I really can't lay that out. I, have, I did share a few testimonies from my own life just by way of example and then made a few others. But to move on and really to be moved, used by the Spirit of God, it just dawned on me. I need, I need to go scripturally a little deeper to kind of loosen the, the, the anchor, if you will, the things that are holding us back. So Paul prayed something over the believers. That I, it was a very, it's a very powerful prayer. And I think if we dig into this prayer, we're going to see exactly what Paul was hoping was going to happen in the people that he preached to. Went into an area, preached, 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 taught, taught, released them, and then, of course, they write him letters. So here to the Colossians, he's writing them, saying, this is what I'm praying for you that's going to happen. Wonderful prayer for us to listen in on. Check this out. Colossians uh, 1, 10 through 14. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. So we're praying that the will of God is going to be poured out through you in its uniqueness. Verse 10. So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. Bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. So he's saying, I pray that you get enough knowledge about the ways of God, that, it bear, that, that you bear fruit in your life of joy, of peace, of victory. He said, this is what we're praying over you, that you will grow in the knowledge of God. Now we'll come back to that here in a sec. Being strengthened with all power, oh, great word, exousia, dunamis, authority, the power, the raw power of God flowing in our life, according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience. So he's saying, man, that you might grow in the power of God, not only to be fruitful, but you can hang on through these times, these dark times possibly even the new dark ages that are upon us. Verse 12, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. Qualified me? Yeah. That's what Jesus did on the cross for each one of us. We're qualified. I love that, don't you? But how would you know you're qualified unless you knew that truth? That's what Paul is saying. He said, I want you not only to know that truth, but I want you to camp on that truth. I want that knowledge to go from your head to your heart so that you are operating out of it. And that, I think, my friends, is so absolutely critical to being used by God is the church is being stripped, for one reason or another, of the knowledge of who we are in Christ. And the knowledge of what we have available to us. And that's a great burden of mine. A great burden of mine. Maybe as a teacher 
and pastor, but more as just a believer, that I more and more, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. So let's just, I'm going to finish these verses. And giving joyful thanks to the Father who's qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people. Verse 13, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That's a very powerful prayer. And it's a prayer that Paul has it prays often in various forms to the other churches that he visits. But I want you to notice that what this, this really does is it begins with this idea of knowledge. So we, can, we, we cannot grow, as I'm writing here in the notes, if you got them, we cannot grow into what we do not know. That is incredibly important. Paul comes back to this thematically over and over again, especially in the book of Romans. Gnosko, the Greek word, knowledge of that which is holy and true. This is something that's amazing. That may seem very, you know, obvious to you, but I think it is the very issue that I think that, that is affecting Christians today. We have, we, we're coming into this great assumption, or at least for me as a pastor, that a lot of Christians know what is true. Cover of Time magazine, is truth dead? Or the death of truth? Wow. That tells me that we've been hearing so many lies. We don't know what's true. We don't know what's end up anymore. Where is truth? Where can we find it regarding our sexuality? Where can we find it regarding what is true and holy and good? Where can we find it when we think of our culture and its decimation? We can find it in Scripture. We can find it right there. But we won't know what is true until we read it and believe it. And again, it be something that we know about. And I, and I will jump ahead and just say, I am shocked many times in conversations with Christians how many basic Christian truths we do not know. We do not know, especially, especially for Southerners who've grown up in the church. Growing up in the church. The B-I-B-L-E, that's the book for me. Just like that little that man sitting in the Bible classes. So many of us have grown up in those places. We heard these things, but now as adults, whether we've abandoned them or not, it's the law of diminishing truth for the most part. We don't know them. And those truths are not affecting us. They're not creating, well, again, it kind of sets up the next point. But they're not creating what we need. It all begins with knowledge. Knowledge is necessary for so many things, you know, in life, of course, but especially when it comes to our Christian walk. I hear many who have never heard of certain basic Christian teachings. You know, I, a while ago, some of you remember this, back when I had my sabbatical when I was 50, one of the things that I did was just prayer, and I was journaling, and I was doing the different things. But you know what? I had another little thing that I did during that time. I learned how to tie knots. You may say, that's kind of silly. You know why I wanted to tie knots? Because whenever I wanted to tie something down or do something practical, I was always so frustrated because I didn't know the kind of knot I needed to tie. I wanted to put something down on top of my car. I wanted to put, tie something down in my yard or I was in the house trying to fix something. I'm going, 
And all I knew was a square knot, a you know, granny knot, and a whatnot. You know what I'm saying? And so I said, you know what? During the sabbatical, when I'm sitting out there and I'm praying, I'm just going to mindlessly learn some knots. Got me a chunk of rope, and that's what I did. I learned about 30 or 40, maybe 50 knots that you could use for any situation. Knowledge. And it dawned on me. I wasn't even thinking about this. But I had prepared myself for many different situations. I gave myself knowledge, but not just knowledge, but rote knowledge. You know what that is? That's knowledge that you can draw upon without even thinking about it. I am now in a situation where I need to tie something down. And matter of fact, I got, I mean, Jamie was tired of hearing about it. He was outside, he was getting ready to tie something. I said, Jamie, wait a minute. Let me tie it down, bro. Because I got just the knot. And I'd go and teach him. I said, no, we could use this. Or we could use that. But that might get you killed, bro. And he's just like, okay, can we just tie it down, Pastor Dave? So yeah, I, got, I, I went off, I went off the, the, the board. That's, that describes me. But anyway, knowledge. Knowledge of the truth of the Word of God that goes from your head to your heart so that now you draw upon it instinctively. Instinctively. We need to get to the point of instinctive truth. We've got to get to that place. And the only way you get there, my friends, is by reading the Bible. Thirdly, out of that knowledge grows faith. Faith comes out of knowledge. You can't have faith in something you don't know. And the Bible tells us that, doesn't it? It says that knowledge comes by hearing the word of God. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. And so we go from knowing, so we're learning how to to become prepared for God using us. So we've got to have knowledge of the ways of God. Then when we learn the ways of God and it becomes just something that is, that is, that is I, I just know in my knower, it begins to produce faith. Now, again, I had, I mean, you could call it faith with an ability to use these knots. Went to the fire station, took the little kids through it, and I looked at Kevin Hawkins. I said, I bet you know a lot of knots. And he goes, yeah, we, we know several. And I said, you want to know a few more? No, I'm kidding. But anyway... No, I didn't mess up the presentation. But, but what I'm saying is, my, my goal is, is that it grows, that knowledge grows to a confidence, but before that, it's a faith. A faith in the ways of God. Faith that you just draw upon, again, instinctively. Folks, I'm not telling us something. I mean, we, you might look at this and say, man, does anybody else just think this is the most basic thing you've ever heard? It is. But the fact of the matter is, we're not walking in it nearly enough as we should be. The fact of the matter is the truth has not gotten from our heads into our heart or we would not be having the kind of chaos that we're having in our culture today. We would not be dealing with the bigotry that we're dealing with today. We would not be dealing with the kind of, the, the kind of really, the, the, the breakdown in some areas of our culture Well, and and for the most part, I think what is happening is weight is being placed on Christians of their understanding of basic love, of basic truths. The weight of this cultural madness is now pressing upon us. And what is coming to the surface is our ignorance. And you know what? That's okay. 
Because when a, if you're a good teacher, when a kid's, kid gets an answer wrong, what do you do? You go and you fix it. You don't embarrass them. Hey, everybody look at Johnny, man. Wasn't he a, a moron to miss that question on the test today? We don't do that. But when we come up short and we got the answer wrong, we want the Holy Spirit to come beside us and lovingly say, you got that one wrong. That's not what the Bible teaches. That's not what Jesus would do. That's not what Jesus, this is not what is in the book of Colossians. This is not what is in the book of Romans. This is not what is in Romans chapter 1 when it concerns what we would call reprobation and how sin and morality all work. It's there in black and white. And I don't need any politician. I don't need a person from Hollywood. I don't need anybody, any other human being trying to tell me what morality is when it's very clearly laid out for me in the words of God himself, my creator. Christian, you need to go to the truth and hold on to the truth. It begins with knowledge. And then faith begins to grow in that knowledge. And faith will begin to produce something else, something else good for you. See, faith is seeing that which is in heaven as more than just possible here, but expected here. When a person, when you are, see, that's how I know, and I'm not here to embarrass anyone, but that is how I know that you are functioning as a believer, is that you go from just knowledge to an expectation in faith. That it is change in your life, that you are confronting the confusing issues of what's going on in this world. You are coming up against those things, and you're not drawing upon worldly wisdom, but you're drawing upon the king. Matter of fact, so your answer would be, you know, if God wills it. I don't know. I'm praying about that. I'm not rushing headlong into what the rest of the world does. I'm prayerfully concerning what, how does it affect my life? At that point, we'd be drawing upon the greatest gift, I think, beyond prophecy, but that that gift of discernment, which I think is so critical to Christians today, one you're going to need more and more and more in the coming days. Knowing the difference between that which is of light, that which is of darkness, and that which is of your flesh. If we put more faith in natural laws, sciences, your personal experiences, of which most of what we see in society today, we will put more stock in seeing a Hollywood person give their experience and say, oh, well, that must be true. He makes great movies, you know. Than we ever would the words of Jesus Christ, our Savior, the one who died for us. But let me finish it. We put more faith in natural laws, experiences, sciences, over supernatural laws. We will forfeit, if we do, now, I just destroyed the sentence. Can I start all over again? If we put more faith in natural laws over supernatural laws, we will forfeit the opportunities to see the kingdom of God work in, through, and around us. We have to believe. If you want supernatural, can I dangle that care? If you want supernatural activity in your life, which you are going to need in ever-increasing you know, manifestation in the coming days, and my friends, you cannot put your stock, you cannot put your, 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 your life into what this world teaches, the ways of the world, the thoughts of the world. John has something to say about this. We'll get to it here in a sec. 
But we have to believe. Faith comes from hearing and believing the word of God, period. That's what Romans 10, 17 tells us. By hearing it, by believing it, by tying that knot over and over again, by memorizing truth, that it becomes a part of who we are. Now, if you're, if you're fighting that on the inside, if you're fighting me in your mind right now, then you know what? That's okay. You've been wrong before, but we won't go there. Anyway, no, if you're fighting this on the inside, then it t- you, you should tell yourself that as a believer, you are in the fight and you're not winning it. And to be honest, you're, you're set up for a real disappointment. A real disappointment. Why do people bail on God? Why do young people bail on God? Well, it, to me, it's very simple, having watched this, this dynamic for many, many years. You know, you can't expect to sit and, and drink shakes in front, of the, in front of the AC and then run out onto the football field and, and, and be good. And you can't do it that way in the kingdom of God either. You can't go running into life, into marriage, into raising kids, into working with finances. You can't do any of those things in this world if you're not drawing upon the the creative, wise God who will help you do all of that. With not only just survival mode, which is where most people live, but with abundance, with, with, with knowing that God's got everything covered. Got to get into the word. Got it. So now, I tell you, I'm in a new place. And you'll be hearing it in the coming weeks. I'm in a new place. And Jamie really and I both are in a similar place. We're very excited about teaching the word of God more and to encourage our teachers among us to get teaching the word of God. We've got to change this. And that's where it begins. Finally, personal confidence flows out of real faith. So we start with knowledge, and then faith goes, which is a supernatural thing that God does in our heart, but we have to provide the raw material of knowledge. I can't stress that enough. That knowledge, it begins there. Don't just sit there like what we hoped would happen in Bible college. If I would just sleep on my theology book, maybe through osmosis it would go in there. Oh, yes, Lord. It doesn't work that way. I had to read it. I had to memorize it. I had to look up words that I did not understand so that I could confidently work through it. That is the way it works with the kingdom of God in any truth. And it's funny. Most of us believe what I, what I would say about knowledge in any other discipline except faith. Why is that true? Except that. You've got an enemy of your soul who wants to keep the word of God out of your mind, out of your heart. Because he knows how much great damage it can do and how much it's really going to bless your socks off. So faith grows out of hearing that word, knowing that word, but then that faith leads to a personal confidence. It leads to it. I've already kind of talked about this, but I want to I I push this a little bit more. See, many have followed the process above, above in, anywhere, in any way, learning what the word says, even growing in some measure of faith, but not growing in the personal confidence to actually step into it. And with that, I want to share a quick little story about Blondin the tightrope walker. Maybe you've heard of this story before, so bear with me if you did. So Blondin comes to town, and he's a tightrope walker, and he lets everybody know in the community that he's getting ready to string a tightrope across 
across a canyon that, that is very close to where this community is. And so he gets it all set up. He gets the, the tightrope spread across the canyon, and he's got the whole city that has come out to watch Blondin do this. Blondin's got his stick, and he's a tightrope. He's got the special shoes. He's got everything. And he looks to the people. He's actually shocked that, that, that literally thousands of people have come out to see Blondin walk across the canyon, canyon on the tightrope. And so he looks at the people, and he says, how many of you believe that I can do this? Ah, everybody shouts, yells, yes, we believe, we believe. He gets them all stirred up. And he's, how many of you believe that I can do this today? And ah, he gets them just going and going. He goes, how many of you want to come with me? Not a soul says a word. Because that, my friends, is the difference between faith and action. We can believe, we can believe, we can believe, but when it comes to me doing it, oh, Pastor David, man, we believe you can cast out tons of demons. Oh, we believe, we believe, until it's your turn. And that's when the crickets come out. And that's when we all tend to just shrink back, oh, not me. We just read in the scripture that knowledge leads to an understanding of wisdom and understanding, uh, it, it, wisdom and understanding. And it comes from the Spirit of God, from no other place. And, he, and Paul is praying this, that, that knowledge would give birth to this. And he says, who has qualified you? There's not a one of us here. The qualification is simply me believing in Jesus Christ. If anybody had the, the, the real, true confidence and belief in Blondin, the type walker, they would have no trouble in just saying, I'm with you, bro. I know that you got me. And Jesus wants, us to, wants to lead us into a life that, we, that everybody else in the world sees as a tightrope, <laughs> as a very difficult thing, as a very, you know, potentially hard thing. Well, I mean, isn't it easier just to do what everybody else is doing when it comes to marriage? Isn't it easier just to, to fall into what everybody else is doing and how they raise their kids? Isn't it just easy to just go through the motions and just not stir anything up? It's not provided and done anything good, that kind of thinking, to be honest. It's robbed us. We've let our culture down. And we need to get back to doing what Jesus called us to do, to be salt and light. And yes, does it feel overwhelming to just be one shining little you know, Christmas light on the tree among all of this darkness? Well, it's amazing what one light will do. We always think about just what we do, but we don't think in terms of what the confidence that we grow in, how that really affects others', others confidence. And when you really see the kind of momentum that grows with a church that all says we believe and we will act, wow, things really, really do change. See, confidence brushes away the fears because knowledge and belief are no longer the issue. They're settled. I know what I believe. I know it's in the Bible, and I believe what Jesus said. And then it's created inside me a faith to say, you know what? This is what God does. It's, it's, it's. But then it comes to my moving and act. You know, James said, he said, faith without works is what? It's dead. So it comes to that. I think many Christians are in that place where we have knowledge. Now, I would have dealt with those who don't have knowledge, but let's say you do have knowledge. 
and you're sitting here, and you've gone to small groups all of your life, and you've heard over and over again, whether it be all the wonderful female Bible teachers out there, or all the wonderful male Bible teachers out there, or all the different programs that you can go through, and you sit through hours and hours and hours, and that's the only thing as a pastor that really does frustrate me when I see that, is because I wanted to say, look, you're just all filled up with truth. What are you doing with it? How is it impacting your life? Now, I may be some kind of a crazy man to be thinking that way, but to be honest with you, we sacrifice the awesome for just the good. And we need to let that, that, that knowledge give birth to true faith, and then it needs to lead to action where now I walk in a kind of confidence I don't even think twice about it. Will I make a mistake? Will I fail here and there? Absolutely. Isn't that the way all life works? You learn a new move, and you try it out on the court. You learn a little something, and you, you try it out. Well, that didn't work. That doesn't mean you give up on it. I love seeing my, my little Ben out on the basketball courts. Never played a, a day in his life. Of course, I played a lot as a young man, and I'm over there going, do this, do that. Of course, I played like a football player, but, and that doesn't... That, that's not Christian at all. But anyway, but it was neat just watching him, trying different things out. And he would come back, well, that didn't work. I said, well, son, don't give up on it. You've got to increase your skill. You've got to keep doing this. You've got to keep doing that. See, the athlete, the speaker, the artist, the salesman are confident because they have prepared. Confidence comes out of the knowledge, the faith in that knowledge, but then in the action of putting those things into practice. We know that in Hebrews, to finish, Hebrews in 11 verse 6 says that God rewards those who diligently seek him. I believe part of the reward that we get as believers is that we listen and we know his word, then we have confidence in his word and we walk in that word and then we begin to move out. That is where God rushes in and says, I got your back. I'm going to verify. I'm going to um, solidify. Another word I'm looking for, but um, to bring that kind of, of solidity to his word. He is going to back it. He promised us he would. So we just got to step out. We have got to step out on what we know is true. So my question is, are we ready? You know, next week I'm going to talk about how you can stay in connection with your senior partner, the Holy Spirit, and how to get filled up, and how to stay filled up, and how to continue to grow in this process. Does anyone do this perfectly? Absolutely not. Do I do it perfectly? Absolutely not. But to be honest with you, I'm overwhelmed by what I see around me. I'm overwhelmed by being a dad. I'm overwhelmed by being a husband. I'm overwhelmed by being a pastor. I'm overwhelmed by taking three steps out my front door and seeing what is going on in this crazy world. And I realize that I can't do it on my own steam. That if I'm going to be salt and light, I need something supernatural. I need God to come in and flow through me like Jesus always intended. And it comes from knowing what the Word of God says. It comes from getting that so deep inside us that it grows into a faith which comes from God, but comes in, in, in it, it, it bursts out of knowledge and, and faith in that knowledge. 
and then just taking a few steps and say, okay, here I go, Lord. I'm taking a step out on that, on that tightrope. And if I fall off, I know you got me. And you'll put me right back up on that line. Right back up on that line. That's how it works. It takes time. It takes practice. But it takes a step. Amen. Let's stand up this morning.